Imagine in a video game, like literally you're playing this game, you're playing this Star Trek game, and you see in the actual game, physical 3D render of the customer support coming your way with the brooms and shit, trying to help you push the ship <laughs> A little tow truck shows up and just beep beep, locks onto a tractor beam and tows it in the rest of the way to the map. But like- Ah, we were not expecting special forces. This, I, I didn't choose to grow this. Pressing numpad, another target! Why are you playing it? <laughs> <laughs> fucking broke me legs, mate! Fucking... I'm so I mad at them! Metachlorians, motherfucker! I told you! <laughs> it's glorious! No, it wasn't glorious! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Live Gaming Gathering Podcast, where gaming is just an excuse to socialize. My name is Tom. Oh fuck! I already screwed it up. That's okay. You can you can be Tom for the day. Nah, no, I don't want to be Tom for the day. I've seen glimpses into your life, my friend. I'm. Hey, my life is not friend. that bad. <laughs> I think so. At least I don't. Th I don't think it's bad. It's all good. It's all good. All right. Oh, I'm German too. Ah, yeah. Eh? My name is Tom, aka the Lanky Soldier, your regular host as usual. I will go straight to the point. All social media links are in the description. <laughs> Continue, I kind of like that. <laughs> We're going to have new listeners that are going to be like, what the fuck is going on here? What is this guy's problem? I just want to make this clear. It is like 10 o'clock in the morning for me when we're recording this, so the coffee is flowing strong within my veins. So anyway. Where's the German uh, me? Uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, leave a like or dislike and actually comment. Be involved in this discussion. And if you're listening to us on Spotify or iTunes, please do leave a rating so everyone can find the podcast on those platforms. And if you do enjoy the show, consider subscribing to support us to Patreon slash The Lanky Soldier with some extra content. Like me when I talk normally. To be fair, there's no extra content on Patreon right now just because we haven't recorded any extra content and mostly I'm still trying to figure out what the fuck to post <laughs> So right now, the extra content, quote-unquote, is just a blank page with, like, a construction worker on there going, we're figuring it out. Yes. <laughs> a decade later, we might figure out. A decade later. Yeah, I mean, it took us, what, six years in order to get a Patreon going, and now we're just now starting to promote it. So, uh, you know, at this rate, you know, by the time I'm 50, we'll we'll actually start pulling money in on that bad boy. One day, one day. <laughs> It'll be my retirement fund. It's working hard. It's all about working hard. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'll start the podcast with a simple update. Um, bought PC parts. I bought PC parts. Um, there's already some stories about it because I bought separate parts on different websites. You know, one on Amazon, one on UK retailer and so on. So I bought a power supply and an SSD on Amazon. It was supposed to come in yesterday. Uh, did not come in. And the power supply is not... I got a message from Amazon saying it's undeliverable. We're going to send a refund in five, seven days. What? Cool. Cool. Good start. <laughs> Good fucking start. Yeah, that's that's a confident start right there to the ordering process. Hell. So instead, uh, I just like, eh, fuck you, Corsair. I'll buy an EVGA power supply. Cost uh, yeah. To be fair, I've been off with EVGA for since forever, so who cares? I mean, hell, the one that I've got is still, you know, running along perfectly peachy keen, so there's nothing wrong with EVGA. No, no, nothing, nothing, completely, absolutely nothing wrong with EVGA. EVGA is I mean, other than the cost in some cases, but, you know. No, I just, I just wanted, you know, let me try different power supplies, you know, just, you know, just to see. Of course, it, it seems fate or destiny is telling, no, stay with EVGA. I'll stay with EVGA. So, <laughs> so it should come in tomorrow, hopefully. Um, well, hopefully, yeah. 
something's supposed to be coming today, which is the SSD and uh, cat scratcher. Not cat scratcher. What those towers that for the cats, like where they scratch their nails. Oh, oh, oh the yeah, towers. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta get a hold of one of those at some point soon because um, our boys like to uh, fight over the highest points in the house, and right now the highest points in the house are just stacks of boxes. So it's like fucking. It's like watching the scene from Lion King happen in my living room every other day. Oh, yeah. Our cat destroyed our one. Like, we need a new one. <laughs> he completely destroyed it. Which is great. I mean, I'm glad he's using it. So, hopefully, he's going to use the new tower that is coming. It's supposed to come in today. So The last one we had, instead of using, like, actual wooden tubes for, like, the uprights for their pedestals where they lay, they used, oh, excuse me, fucking cardboard tubes. So, you can imagine my 25-pound cat just, like, demolished that shit. Yeah, I can imagine. Within like three months. Like, wow, this was kind of ill thought out. You know what? What? What if? What if your animal was more than two pounds? Um, actually, okay, wait. How much is a pound in kilos? Uh, man, you're gonna make me go to Google now. Yeah, <laughs> I'll tell you how big is my cat. Typing in the background. Uh, hold on. Uh, LBS two kg. So one pound, it's it's almost like a half a kilogram, just um, under a half a kilogram per so, pound. So a twenty pound cat would probably be around in the ballpark of like a twelve, thirteen kilo cat. Wait, you have a you have a cat that is twelve kilos? Yeah, if 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 the math is right on this, because the last time we weighed him, he was twenty five pounds. Okay, wait, wait which would be okay at math. So four point five or point four five of twenty five would be somewhere Holy in the ballpark shit, of yeah. like twelve, thirteen kilograms. Oh, yeah, shit, he is, is a big boy. Oh my god, that's a big boy. Holy shit, your cat is worth twelve kilos. Yeah, of... he's a heavy fucker. <laughs> and he had thought five kilos of my cat is big. No, that would be the that would be his brother who is around in that ballpark. So uh, five would probably put it at about uh, yeah twelve thirteen pounds. So yeah, that's about what Oreo weighs. Holy shit! <laughs> and their mom is like five pounds, so like two and a half kilos. So she's like a small little thing, and she gave birth to this big beast. So oh yeah. My God, how the fuck? Did- twelve. He's a kilos. He's he's got a problem. He um. We gotta. We have to limit how much food we put down for them all the time. Otherwise, what he'll do is, um, the vet told us. So you, you know that feeling that you get when you eat too much, and you're that that nerve is telling your brain, "Hey, the stomach is full, cannot handle any more food. Yeah. Stop eating." Like you know, some there are um, people who don't have that. I think it's. Um, I don't. I don't want to mix this up, so I'm not going to try and use the term for it. But there is an actual flagged medical condition in humans that that has that. It's an eating disorder. He has that exact eating disorder, but in cats. So what he will do is, is if we leave food out constantly, he will just eat everything in sight. And he will keep eating until he throws up. <laughs> oh, my and God. we can't have that shit. So he's, because of his appetite, he's been putting on more and more and more and more and more and more weight. So we're trying to keep his weight managed by, like, you know, exercising him with a laser and, you know, playing with him and all that other stuff. But he is a bit of a lazy fucker, too, in some cases. So, you know, you can't always coax him into wanting to run around the house. Now, some days he doesn't realize how big he is and tries jumping places where he should not be attempting to jump because of how heavy he is. Like when he tries to run away from the dog and jump up on top of the refrigerator and miscalculate and go face first into the side of the refrigerator. Makes me sad, makes me giggle, but at the same time, you know, haha, I'm an evil person sometimes. But, um, yeah, he does not understand his weight in some cases. 
Cut so down. when I say he demolished that tower, like him and his brother were fighting over it one day, and he was on it, and they're just like batting at each other, and his weight is so much that every time he swings, like he can watch the pedestal rock back and forth until finally it broke. <laughs> and then we went, well, you guys have now lost that. Because <laughs> you're fucking fat. <laughs> he is, dude. Like, I've you, did the, the tabby cat that I've sent you pictures of where he's laying across my desk. Yeah, that's him. Oh, my God. I want more pictures of him. Can you imagine that big fucker? Like when he wants to sprawl out on your desk, you ain't getting anywhere. I want a picture of him again. I need more pictures of that fat cat. (laughs) To send you one after we're done, but yeah, he's he's big boy. He's a one big boy. (laughs) Holy shit! He's he's what you would call a chonkers. Oh, he's big chongers for sure. He's 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 big chonk. Oh my god. Uh, okay, anyway, um, so PC update, like I said, uh, yeah, the power supply should be coming tomorrow, uh, P- the other PC parts are semi-pre-built, maybe that's why it's taken a bit, like, more than a couple of days to get here, uh, cost Oh, because they gotta, they gotta assemble it for you. Okay, try to guess the price tag, uh, in, pu- well, in pounds, I, I can't, tr- should I do, like, pounds to, I mean, you I want to guess... Want to guess the price tag of everything that is going to cost like together? I, I want to say somewhere in the ballpark. Like it, it, cause, man, I don't know. Cause like GPU prices are all over the place. So I mean, I could be like, if this is like the price is right, I could be off anywhere from like a thousand dollars to a couple hundred dollars. So um, I'm going to say in the ballpark of like twenty five hundred pounds or something like that. Uh, you can make it though. So just try, uh, went on Google. Because that 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 sounds about right for what a modern PC build would be. So, dollars. so how much are you saying dollars? Everything. Dollars to pounds. So, right now, the United States is equivalent to eighty three tenths of a that, pound. Right. Just just you think how much I spent in United States dollars? I'm gonna say probably in the ballpark of anywhere from like twenty five hundred dollars to three grand. Uh, two thousand three hundred. Damn, I'm good. <laughs> Two thousand three hundred. Well, Grant, I'm not that's, gonna be. I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, considering I spent three thousand dollars on my initial build, but this was also like eight years ago. Yeah, but then again, I went like Gian calls it the bleeding edge, <laughs> and Gian is so excited about the PC parts. He actually wants to come in and help me build it. That's how much he oh excited. Oh my god! Yeah, like he actually wants to see it in his own eyes how much two thousand dollars look like on a screen. <laughs> I want to see what it looks like. It has to be an Asian accent. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm not good at Gene's accent. Not what I could try, but I would bastardize it so bad. Yeah, he literally wants to come in and do it. Like, help me build a computer and see it with his own eyes. How what bleeding edge technology looks like. <laughs> and he never like he he's lazy. Actually, he wants to come in whenever. But this time he's like, I want to come in. <laughs> I need to be here. <laughs> I must be there for the assembling and birthing of the PC. Yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I literally went with a high-end GPU and high-end uh, CPU. Because you know that my CPU is like from 2013 production. Yeah, some, same same year as mine. Stop reminding me. Yeah. So, granted, I'm not going to pay everything in one go. Because American Express that shit. literally going to pay monthly for uh. for the parts. Because I, I will go bankrupt if I literally just like... <laughs> 
Yeah, that's yeah. a luxury I don't have. I wish I had a credit card to just be like, yeah, I'm going to go buy a new GPU and another motherboard and another CPU and I'll just actually be able to upgrade my fucking tower. And then, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'd have to buy another copy of Windows as well. Yeah, I'll try Windows 11 on the new PC. I did ask Mixi because he's using Windows 11. So I was saying, was there any problems with this? He said, no problems whatsoever. It's literally everything's the same. So like, okay, I'll try. I'll try Windows 11 and see how it goes. If if it's really shit, I'll just go back to Windows 10. Oh, speaking of Windows, let's everybody put an F in the chat for uh, the death of Microsoft Edge. Oh, yeah. Or oh, yeah, Internet so, Explorer, I'm sorry, uh, not so, Microsoft yeah, Edge. Mi- mi- Microsoft uh, Explorer, yeah. Microsoft Inter- Internet Explorer, you were so good to us for allowing me to download Firefox. Yep, the number one <laughs> browser to load in the world. <laughs> the number one browser to download another browser. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I kind of feel shitty because, like, I remember when that shit came out and everyone was like, oh, my God, it's a packaged in internet browser. And then, like, five years later, it was already out of date and they just never touched it. Uh, it's just pretty okay. To my surprise. I did not know. I did not know that Firefox is pretty much an updated version of Netscape. I had no clue. Uh, I found that out watching a video and I was like, wait, what? I actually knew that. And that Edge is basically a ripoff of Chromium. Uh, yeah, I don't really st- understand Chromium. Honestly, I never use it, and that stuff just confuses me. I don't, I don't, I don't even touch Chrome. So, like, <laughs> I use Chrome, but sometimes I use Firefox for whatever reason when I need a second browser. <laughs> I, I honestly prefer Firefox because, like, it, it just seems to work a lot better. I mean, yeah, there are days where it wants to hang up and load up like ten different processes and slow everything down, and I'm just like, you suck. Stop doing this. Um, but. You know, when it works beautifully, like any other piece of technology. When it works beautifully, it's beautiful. You don't have to think about it. It's seamless. It's, ah, perfection. I once went inside Firefox development building in London. Mm -hmm. You know why? Because I was a delivery guy. I was a food delivery guy. (laughs) Here's your lunch, guys. Uh, When I was working, like, in a Mexican restaurant, was it seven, eight years ago, uh, there was a big order. And we had to deliver burritos. Which, and then, and then I realized, oh, this is Mozilla Development uh, Building, and there's so many fucking people. And then you can see, like, it's funny. The number one thing I saw when I entered this, uh, the building and the office was literally a big ass TV screen. It, it was a graph, and it shows showcasing how many crashes that happened. So, it was, <laughs> so it was a crash graph or something like that how many crashes per day or i can't remember a month or something like that it was like a graph you know as well as i do there were motherfuckers in that office taking pool bets on that shit too hey you think we'll break 2000 today yeah i take that bet you know yeah so that i found that really funny <laughs> literally in the main screen everyone can see how many crashes we had today let's just pound that knowledge over your face yeah so i delivered burritos to my mozilla developers that's beautiful that is yeah. epic yeah, I got paid. Who cares? Uh, okay, well, so, um, I don't care about this that I'm making a FIFA me- video. Uh, I, I was like, I was thinking, hmm, I, I really should make a video. But then I was thinking, what should I kind of video I should make? How many shoots and shoots and shoots and shoots? No, <laughs> I'm making a FIFA video, and that's it. That's all I'm gonna say. Fall Guys is free. Fall. Oh yeah, I I I actually want to go check that game out. Um, it's on Steam, right? Steam's got it on free. Uh, yeah, and basically, and basically, Fall Guys is free. It's really f- fun game, but winning that game, like winning a game in f- 
Fall Guys is equivalent of winning 10, maybe 20 Warzone games. <laughs> That's how difficult it is to win Fall Guys. And the reason we're playing right now Fall Guys, well, one, it's free to play now, so I want to play it on my PC. And two, there's a challenge going on in Fortnite right now and Rocket League. Uh, if you play 100 games in Fall Guys, you can get you know rewards in Fortnite and Rocket League. So, and I think you get rewards in uh, Fall Guys too. So all three games connected. You just have to play Fall Guys for 100 games, and you get the rewards. Like you get a, get a skin, or you get a uh, can't remember what other stuff you can get. But basically, the main attraction to play 100 games in Fall Guys is just to get a skin in Fortnite. And it's uh, well, that's actually kind of cool though. Like they're encouraging people to play other games in order to give you content in yeah. one game. Actually, like I can't, I can't send that. That like, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, Fall, Epic Games is really good at that because they have their three free-to-play games: Rocket League, Fortnite, and now Fall Guys. And basically, they have these uh, moments or events where, hey, if you play Rocket League, you get this in Fortnite Tour, or Fall Guys, or if you play Fall Guys, you get this, and blah, 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 and they all come Yeah, it's it. a good execution of, of, of um, the old, of uh, the mobile game store idea, you know what I mean? Where, like, uh, ooh, excuse me, <laughs> coffee, like I said, you have, um, you want to get some extra premium currency, put so many hours into this game, or get to this point in this game, like, it's, uh, ooh, goodness, ugh, keep doing it. Um, it's it's not exactly a new idea, but I mean it's being executed in an interesting way, and I actually kind of like that. Really like that a lot. That's actually kind of cool. It'd be awesome to see you know different games start you know picking this up. Um, <laughs> you're never going to see Battlefield be like put 20 hours into Call of Duty and we'll Ooh. give you a skin. Like oh that would just be. Mm. I don't think that will ever happen. Microsoft could do that with their games. Oh yeah. Well I mean uh, what was it? Uh, who oh uh, uh whoever just bought out Microsoft recently I'm drawing a blank right now you know with, with where we always joked about oh the Halo and Call of Duty crossover Activision. skits oh yeah fuck yeah go for it Activision you mean mm. Mm. that's the word I was looking for yeah uh, I mean Warzone kind of has it with that Call of Duty games but but it's put thirty hours into Halo Infinite or you know which is an outdated game but you know got a skin in Call of Duty Master Chief you know Actually, Fuck, why not? Yeah, yeah. I can imagine Halo Infinite and Warzone doing something together. That would be cool. But I like that idea. I, I kind of do. I, I encourage, I embrace stuff like that. Like, that's kind of cool, because that's, that's an intriguing way in order to get your audience in order to go check out other things. Now, of course, there would have to be, like, some serious partnership between development studios, and it would probably only happen with games that are under a, a production's umbrella, like, say, uh, you know, FIFA and Battlefield. You know, granted, that would be kind of be stupid. Play 20 hours of FIFA and get a fucking FIFA skin in Battlefield 2042. I would laugh at that idea. I would but love if this. it's like... Um, if they would say something like, okay, you know, you, you go through your library and you check out some of the more classic games like Command and Conquer. You know, you put a Command and Conquer infantryman skin in 2042. It would actually kind of fit because Command and Conquer is a futuristic game. 2042 is a futuristic thing. So there's a lot of creative places, like not, not necessarily using my examples, but there's a lot of creative places that they could go with an idea like this. And I hope they don't just, they don't drop it. You know, I, I really hope they could, I hope to see more stuff like this. I, I applaud this. Yeah. And also, all games are built in Unreal Engine, so makes it makes it a bit maybe easier. <laughs> oh my lord! Speaking of Unreal Engine, um, Game Ranks just put a video out a couple about a day or two ago. Uh, evidently, somebody took the Matrix tech demo for Unreal Engine Five and made like a Superman mod to it. And oh, my god, that. it looks fucking amazing! Like I am like I, I was jaw dropped by like how well this was done. Now, just, granted, all you can do is just fly around the city. 
you can't, like, there's no combat mechanics or anything to it. But, I mean, at its core, it shows what, 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 what potentially could be there. And I really sincerely hope that some studio somewhere along the line looks at that tech demo, what that modder did, and, and takes it. And actually hire the guy in order to help work on that, too, because... That's 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 a noble thing in order to do as well. Well, hey, you know, you pitched. This is your way of pitching us the idea. This is our way of we. You know, we're going to bring you in in order to at least work on this project and possibly, you know, the back end of it. You know, let's let's make a good fucking Superman game because there hasn't been one in a while. Uh, any any game that relies on like heavy flying mechanics or anything like that. That that's just like mm, like it. Like you could swap that skin out with like Iron Man and do a real good proper Iron Man game too. So like, there's there's. There's a lot of potential there instead of just being Superman. And I really, really sincerely hope somebody picks that idea up and runs with it because I'm, it just looks fucking phenomenal. I'm kind of surprised there was no, never really a Superman game to begin with. No one really made it. I remember there was an Iron Man game uh, when Iron Man movie came out, the first one. And there was like a game tie-in movie. Yeah, but like all those, those movie, tie-in movie tie-in games... They were shit, yeah. It's, they were craptacular. And I mean, the, the last... Arguably the last semi-decent Marvel game that they've put out was Avengers, but that was, you know, an MMO grindfest nightmare, and nobody's really playing that anymore, so yeah. I can't can't really hold that up as the shining example. Now, as far as visuals and how everything should look, I can say, yeah, that's a good example of it, but, like, the gameplay aspect of it, it's just, no, I can't. I, I'm, I'm, the grindy games have, it's, it's, it's got to stop. It's getting out of hand, and it's it's. There's a couple of developers that are actually seeing this trend that people want to move away from this shit because gaming is supposed to be a hobby, not a fucking full time job. So if you're going to infer that your game in of itself has to be a full time job, people are just not going to play it, or they're going to put the bare minimum in, and you're not. They're not going to get what you're wanting out of the out of your product. So, you know, reconsidering this whole stance on everything has to be a fucking grind fest. I'm glad to see that it's starting to gain some traction, but in my eyes, it's not gaining traction quick enough. It needs to gain traction way more rapidly than what it is. This concept of milking major people who have a lot of disposable income for money to to bypass bottleneck progressions, it's got to stop being tolerated. It's got to stop being tolerated by fan bases because it's killing games. Like, if that Avengers game wasn't so grindy and wasn't so... like It, it takes the Destiny grind and puts it on crack, from what I've been told. And that, to me, is is horrendous. So if you move more towards that idea. No, games should not be a full-time job. Yeah, I understand that there are some where, like, you know, it take, it, it's taking the mobile the, the mobile models and trying to apply it to full-time $60 AAA. Seven, yeah, sorry, $70 AAA. Um, and you've got to stop doing that. I come in to play a game for a couple of hours. I want to relax. I want to, you know, I don't want it to be a chore and I don't want it to be a job. And there are some games that I legitimately like because of the gameplay aspects of it, but have that in it. And I'm 50-50 on whether I 100% like the game and want to be fully engaged with it or not. And in some cases, if it weren't for the communities that were behind some of these games, I would have left them a long fucking time ago. So it's, it's, the proof is in the pudding. People do not want to spend, you know, six seven weeks grinding for one fucking thing nobody wants to do that anymore nobody wanted to do that in the first place and this idea of well we can put a progression bottleneck up and force you to spend money that is one of the most heinous market tri- marketing tricks i have ever seen happen in the gaming industry and i really 
really so desperately just want it to just go away forever for good. Like I want people to just stop spending money on shit like that. I want these producers and these 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 upper management people in order to see their sales plummet for the amount of money that they're putting in and expecting to get out in these microtransactions and go, yeah, this was a bad idea. Maybe we should stop. You're just reflecting that Star Trek is a grindy game and it's a shitty game. <laughs> yeah, and I could spend a whole episode about that. And I've I've made my threats. I've said my piece directly to the developers on that one. And for anybody of that development team who might happen to be listening right now, I'm going to make this verbally abundantly clear. Some of the shit that I said to you guys is tame compared to some of the shit that I used to say to Dice and EA back in the day. I have... I, 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 I do not pull punches. I never have. I never will. I've gotten a little bit more tame over the years since I've gotten into voice acting because I have to worry about my professional appearance. But when it comes to something that I am passionate about, something that I care about, and something that I see is blatantly, obviously broken in such a bad way, I'm not going to hold back on it. I'm not going to be nice about it. I'm not going to see a game for three months straight release broken content that requires so many back-end patches that usually never come until too little too late. Hell, just for example, one mission we had in our Star Trek game last week was so broken, you had to get a hold of customer support to get them to clear the mission for you. Uh, I'm sorry, what? I'm dead serious. Excuse me, you have... They put a... They... They put a decimal place in a boss ship's power level to the point where they were expecting level 25 players who the most your ship strength is at that level is maybe in the low couple is in the low hundreds of thousands. Okay, so it's like going to be below 500,000. This this boss ship was like 2.7 to 3 million in strength and it varied from server to server. So you had to email customer support Tell them that you ran into this problem, and they had to clear the mission for you. Uh, I'm not <laughs> going to be nice about stuff like that. To me, that should have been fixed on a back-end patch. Instead of probing to seeing how bad the problem is, just put a blanket patch out and fix the fucking problem. Sorry, what That's you... all you should have done. Wait, wait, wait. Get it, let me get this right. You had to con contact... Okay, so there was a sh glitchy mis mission. You had to contact customer support, and they will finish the mission for you. Correct. So you want to tell me I can be literally customer support on that company, launch a game, and finish a mission for a customer because it's broken? Correct. That is exactly what happened. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was flabbergasted by this. And, like, I went on their Discord, and I did not pull any punches. And I said, you know, what? Do back-end patches not exist for you guys? Do you oh. not know how to just change a value and send a hotfix out? We've seen you do it multiple times with multiple things. They've done it with, with event objectives, where they have hotfixed the numbers because the community came in and said, this is way too grindy. It's going to take this long in order to do, or we don't have the resources in order to do it or that you expect us in order to have. We've seen them do it. And then to see them do that where it is an actual storyline mission that they put out with the event arc say hey you know you've got to get a hold of customer support in order to clear this we can't do anything for you to me that is like the most egregious example of back-end laziness i have ever seen and again we have spent years examining electronic arts's games for fuck's sake so if i'm saying that then something is seriously wrong I can't, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm, I'm dead 
fucking serious, my dude. And when we're done here, I'll have to find the fucking screenshot of it and send it to you so you can see just how stupid this is. And I mean, I'm a good level player. I, I'm a good high level player, okay? I've, I've sank some time into this. I haven't sank any money into it, really, because I don't feel the value in sinking money into it. There are changes that need to be made before I get to that point of saying, okay, well, I'll kick in 20 bucks a month here and there. Um, my strongest ship just breaks 1 million strength. And to have a boss where the game is like, yeah, you could be level 25 and clear this easily, and even I can't clear that shit. Like, members of my alliance that were higher level than me could barely clear the goddamn thing. It was the most egregiously hilarious fucking thing I've ever seen. And then the, and again, for them to go, well, just contact customer support and they'll clear it for you. It's like, well, just clear the whole damned event arc for me and send me all the awards while we're at it. I'm just, I just won't fucking play. Whatever. Yeah, that sounds so fucking bad. I would I would just stop playing at that point. So, to the developers at Scopely, while I respect some of the things that you have done over the last couple of weeks as far as some of the back-end changes, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to be blatantly blunt clear for it, because you can't mute me on this front. You can stop the video and ignore it, but that's fine. That's your, your, that's your call. But what I'm going to say is going to be said. If you have to rely on that, and then to try and jam more broken content in, after the three months that this game has had, you seriously need to take a step back and examine where your priorities are right now. You guys want to do cross-server events. That's cool. I support that. I'm not against that idea. But I'm not against. I am not up for supporting a cross-server event in a game where the basic function of moving from one board to another board within the same server can be a lag fest. Where if a player moves from one board to another, there's a chance possibility that their ship will just fucking disappear and they've got to, excuse me, get a hold of customer service to unstick that ship. That doesn't speak much volumes and confidence. That's something where I now have to move my whole entire base from one server to another and then back to my original server six hours later. That doesn't speak volumes and confidence. So when I said what I said as far as lacking confidence and knowing that this is probably going to fall flat on its fucking face and that a bad idea should be canned, I meant what I said. If this goes off without a hitch, if Incursions works and it's beautiful and it works good, I'll eat my fucking crow on it. I have no problems with that. I'll eat my slice of humble pie, I'll make my apologies, and I'll say, hey, you know, I guess my faith was put in bad efforts, you know, but again, can you blame me with the past? It'd be no different than what the, than what DICE is trying to do right now. No different whatsoever. You know, they want to make the changes. That's good. I applaud that. But if the core problems don't get fixed, I don't care how much content you stack on top of those core broken problems. The core broken problems are going to expose themselves more and more and more. You're putting in a PvP event where the PvP isn't balanced to begin with. You know, when when somebody who spends a thousand dollars a week can just take their you know twenty seven you know six million power ship and just mow through an entire thirty player alliance's fleet in seconds, and you're gonna put a mechanic in that's gonna encourage more people to do that, and not only do that, but they can they can ignore server rules of engagement and just kill indiscriminately. And somebody is sitting in that office and not thinking that this is not gonna tank player numbers. You guys have gotta wake up, and that's about the nicest I'm gonna put it. I'm just imagining, like, you said your ship gets stuck or something like that, right? Yeah. So imagine in a video game, like, literally, you're playing this game, you're playing this Star Trek game, 
and you see in the actual game physical 3d render of the customer support coming your way with the brooms and shit trying to help you push the ship <laughs> a little tow truck shows up and just beep beep locks onto a tractor beam and tows it in the rest of the way to the map but like ah, we were not expecting special forces <laughs> Here's the angle that I'm I'm expecting to happen, and this is why I'm not I'm not jumping servers when it comes to this event launching. If players' ships can get lost, I have no reason to think for a split second that something could go terribly wrong while I'm moving my entire fucking base from one server to another, and it not disappear. So what? My shit's just going to be in limbo. Is my shit going to be in another server where I can't protect it, and then I'm when I finally do get a hold of it again, like my all my shit's going to be gone because somebody raided me when I couldn't protect myself. So like, if these things have not been considered, then something is seriously wrong. And I guarantee you, it's going to happen. I'm going to check that Discord out after this launch, after this event launches, and I'm going to see so many reports of players going, "My base disappeared," and they're going to quit as a result of it because they're not going to wait around for customer support in order to fix no, their shit. No, no. They're going to lose their patience. They've lost their progression as far as what they're concerned and some of these players that are up in the le- in the higher 30s and stuff where it has taken months to get to that point you you, you let a player lose their progression like that they're going to be gone period uh do you want to call out another company <laughs> <laughs> yeah while we're at it let's get on to dice <laughs> Okay, do you want me to start with it, or are you gonna want to start with uh, it? No, you 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 okay, start okay, it off, okay. and I'll I'll tear into it when I feel the need okay. in order to tear into it because I got a lot of shit to say on some of this stuff. And one paragraph in particular in this in this article that we're about to highlight, I could tear apart all yes. day. Yes. Okay. So let's give you half an hour. So, uh, uh, and this construction happening in the background. For, for fuck's sake! Before I continue, the construction happening. Are like behind the wall annoys me. The shimmy so much. They're drilling. They're banging, and then. They're building like a uh, reconstruction, like reconstructing a house, an apartment there. It's mm. been going on for so fucking long. It's so annoying. Matia, I couldn't sleep because they were drilling. I couldn't sleep because they were banging something. And now I hear nothing exposes to you just how thin your apartment walls are yeah. when somebody does yeah. renovations in the fucking next room over. And as somebody who does property maintenance for the day job. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> 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 I really am. Like truly, uh, I'm fucking sorry. Uh, anyway, not important. So. Everyone knows Battlefield 2042. Everyone knows the story. You already made your mind up about it. It's fine. Yeah, we don't have to bang on that horse yeah, anymore. Not the point. I'm not going to bitch about DICE and everything. Uh, so back in December, there was a leadership change after the game came out. Uh, there was maybe more like a demo control because the game is like so... <laughs> there were so many problems. It was just basically... We're changing leadership. The game is so bad right now, it still makes Scopely look good. Ooh. <laughs> So they basically changed. There was a leadership change. The guy that was, res- I don't want to call out people for their previous job experiences because that's not. It's so not fair and so stupid. But it's well, not, and it's really not yeah, within yeah. our repertoire in yeah, order yeah, yeah, to yeah. take but and bring somebody's past up and throw it in their faces like that. We we look at what is actually going on and the words that are being said now because that's what kind of means the most. But you know, company policies change and shift. Management management idealisms shift and change, and we respect that and we understand that, and we can wrap our heads around that. But some of the some of the things that um, this 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 new manager is saying, it's kind of dumbfounding yeah, me. Okay, don't okay, don't jump. So uh, basically, in December, the guy that was responsible he, before he worked at Dice, one of the lead designers, so he worked at Candy Crush. And there was like a FIFA, mad, uh, FIFA lead design or something like that, or monetization match or something, I can't remember. 
it was like FIFA guy and a Candy Crush guy. They started working at DICE 2018, 19, something like that. It was like, oh, you know, that really sounds like the, op- the the cold opening to a really bad joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were working on this game and then now they left. I don't know about the FIFA guy. Maybe he's still in, but but the Candy Crush guy, he left as soon as the game came out. He said, oh, uh, it was planned to for me to move out, uh, like leave the company, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Don't care. I'm just saying that there was a leadership change in December. Vincent Pella, the guy that runs Respawn, and he took charge of Battlefield franchise. There's a new lady that works at DICE right now, the general manager at DICE. Her name is Rebecca Kutas, right? Did I pronounce that correctly? Kutas, and if we do butcher that last name, and uh, you do happen to be listening, ma'am, we apologize. Yes. We're we're not good with names. We really aren't. Yeah, we're not. I'm an American. What do you expect? Yeah. So, from what I've seen, she's a really good developer, a good producer. Because she worked on the Ubisoft Assassin's Creed games, did some good work, and from what I see in the article, she that she did an interview with the Game Industry Biz, which is like the famous game industry developer website, and you get you read some awesome interviews and you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and she's got a good resume, and she's she's some of the things that are being said. She's got a good attitude about her, and we're not. I'm not going to knock that, and I'm not going to yeah. down that. But there is just some tone deaf <clears throat> things that have been said where I'm just like, are are, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, it, you know, no, some it, of these things we've banged on about for years, but we'll get, we'll get to that here in a second. So sounds everything she said in this article sounds really amazing and good, and seems she's a smart lady. And I know Vince Zappel is a smart dude too, uh, because again, he's handling respawn, and. Everything is great, but all of it is mostly PR talk that I'm really like, yeah, no shit, fam. We're tired of hearing, quite frankly, too, because that's that's another thing. That's another mentality I wish would change in this industry is stop with the PR crap. Stop. Just come out, say what you're going to say, and stop worrying about what the PR aspect of it is. If you piss some people off, you piss some people off. You know, you're not going to be able to butter everybody's bottoms. Yeah, and seriously, it's, <clears throat> it's one of those things that they've been talking about. Like, oh, we do, we want to do that. We 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 we're gonna do like we're gonna be amazing in this, and we provide that and that and that. But they never deliver. They always talk, but never deliver. And it's been happening for many many years now. And so when you hear another re- really good article about, you know, how DICE needs to change and so on, blah, blah, blah. That is great. Problem is, we've been hearing that for many, many years now, and that's why... Numerous years. We've been hearing it since Battlefield 4. So it doesn't really matter how good the person is. It doesn't matter how this Miss Miss Cortez is good. Cortez. It's it's fine. It's great. It's just... We've been hearing that for so many times. It, It just sounds like noise at this point. It's just noise. You know. I think the most eloqu- eloquent way that we could possibly put this is, we've heard all this before. We've been hearing all of this before. At this point, to be perfectly blunt and blatantly honest, talk is cheap. Actions are the most valuable right now. And you guys can come on and do your interviews all you want and say, we're going to strive for we're going to strive for better things and we're going to start listening to our player base and we're going to, you know, yada, yada, yada. We've been hearing this crap since Battlefield 4. And that's exactly what it is. It's crap. We're tired of hearing it. We're tired of hearing the shareholder talk. And to be perfectly frank, you know, we've been banging on about this drum too. The whole, you know, basing your game around appealing the shareholders has to stop. It needs to stop. Shareholders don't buy the fucking game. 
I'm gonna be I'm gonna be put that blatantly honestly. And some that there are some not all of them, but the vast majority of your shareholders are probably not buying your products. They are throwing money into your pot before you just before you announce a game. They're gonna make their money just like every other stock trend that Electronic Arts has dealt with. And you can watch it on their charts. You can tell when they have announced a game because you see their prices spike, and then 24 hours later the prices drop. Why? People are riding that wave upward on the take it, on the on the announcement of the game, and they're selling once it hits the peak, which is the smart thing to do. So that tells me that a good bulk of your shareholders are not long-term holders that actually care about the well-being of the company. They are short-term traders who just want to see the numbers go. So stop basing the entirety of your business income around that mentality and appealing to people who are only hanging on to your shares for less than, excuse me, three months. Start going back to appealing to the people who actually buy the fucking products, the players, not the shareholders, the players. Stop getting the two confused. Every time EA makes an announcement about something, it's always to shareholders. Like, don't get me, I, I get it. It's a public trade company, traded public traded company. And you should care to a degree what those people think because they are investing your money into your company. And I'm not being I'm not being so tone deaf as to say that you know the concept of appealing to shareholders is a bad idea. But when you're doing all of your appealing to the shareholders, that doesn't speak volumes of confidence to your customer base because they're going to look at that and go, "What about us? I'm spending the seventy dollars to buy your product. I'm your profit margin. Why are you ignoring me?" And and I. I remember back in was it one Balfi Five launched, and there was there was a developer or a uh, I can't remember was a developer or something like that. he was working directly at EA, and he was responsible for creating communication between player base and uh, developers. He left <laughs> he left the job as as soon as possible as soon as Balfi Five got released because apparently he could not handle working with EA executives and so on regarding communication because there was so. Uh, um, what's the word to describe it? Coy. Coy, yeah. Uh, not flexible enough. It's all about shareholders and so on. Like that. They, like they, they was, it was frustrating to work with because there was nothing to be done and nothing could be achieved because sharehold, like shareholders were literally held all the power regarding communication. And that's, that's wrong, especially in a creative industry because people who look at the numbers are logical-thinking individuals. They're not necessarily creative individuals. They're not looking at it as, is, okay, well, taking risks and you know doing things that are good for the industry as a whole. They're looking at it as, is, do things that are good for your stock prices so that I can sell once it hits a peak. Yeah, it's it's mostly hitting peaks. That's always been... Like, I mean, I get it's business capitalism and stuff, but god damn it, sometimes it's way too much. But anyway, you want to go through the article... Uh, yeah, do let's. So, um, one of the first things I'm going to stop at here is uh, the quote-unquote of uh, things are better now, which, okay, I could kind of understand that. Now, with all due respect to uh, to Rebecca, there's, there's this paragraph right here alone I have a lot of problems with. Okay, quote, so we, yeah, yeah, quote the article about... Stop the launch of Battlefield 2042 was not as expected. Our players and community were disappointed. So is our development team. End quote. I'm stopping right there because those lines right there I have a major problem with. First off, the launch of Battlefield 22 was not as expected. Our players and community were disappointed. Well, that you can file that immediately under no shit. We, we were hyped up. We were 
we were excited about all the potential and all the possibility that was there, just like happens with every Battlefield game that comes out. And when the veil finally came up, and we saw everything that was going on, that since since beta, once that beta happened, we, we knew what we were getting into. We knew what we were looking at. And we were immediately disappointed. And then we were told again, well, the changes are coming. It's not going to be like that, blah, 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 blah. And then it wound up launching almost identical. So right there, those words are, are meaningless to me right now. Now, this last sentence, but so was our development team. That sentence right there, I have a humongous problem with because this beats onto a problem that I have been screaming about for fucking years now. If you look at what you are about to put out into the public and you're not proud of it, you're not happy with it, don't do it. Simple as that. Stop it. I, you guys have got to start getting a lot better on your negotiation front if it's upper management that's telling, that is telling you, telling you, in order to release something that is broken, you guys have got to grow a harder spine and say, no, it's not ready. It is the point where it is runnable. Yes, we can do technological demos with it. We can showcase some stuff with it, but it's not ready for the wild yet. Start telling them this. The hell with what the shareholders want. The hell with what the share price says. If you are on the verge of releasing something that is disparatively broken and you know it as clearly cut and laid out as what that sentence says, quote, but so was our development team, end quote, that tells me they knew the sorry state of the game before they hit that launch button. They knew and they still did it. Whether they were coerced to, whether they were forced to, for some reason or whatever, that button was pressed when it should not have been pressed. And it's nice to hear that somebody actually thinks at that level. So the next time around, if you're listening to us, which I know is probably a snowball's chance in hell, but it's possible. The next time you have your development team approach you and say, hey, it's not ready yet. It's just going to damage us. It's going to make us look bad. We're not going to be able to keep up with the damage control. We know it's not what it should be. Have a fucking soul and a spine and agree with them and say, no, I am not going to let this go out and be damaging. I, 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 I can tell you from, from previous experience, it is so much easier to tell a customer, hey, it's not ready yet. It's not what you want. I want to deliver you the best possible thing that I can. It's going to take me a little bit longer to do it, but I don't want to be, I, I, I'm not going to be happy unless you're happy. I have had that mentality in business before, and it has served me well. I still carry that on to this day with my acting. If I'm not happy with a take, do you really honestly think I'm going to send it to a casting director and assume they're going to be happy with it? So if you know, you know it's not good, just don't. Make it better. Put the work in that needs to be done and do it. Stop making excuses. I'm glad they finally admitted that they, their mistake finally. I'm glad. But it just took us seven, six months to admit it when like the iron is not hot anymore. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. But the- again, this is something else that we've heard before as well. Yeah. Well, the development team wasn't happy with it either. So why do you keep doing the same thing over and over again? You know, it's like saying, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and break this brick wall down with my forehead. And after about six or seven swings with your head against the concrete, you go, Ow, that hurts. This isn't working. I, uh, there's got to be something else I can do. And then you just grab the back of your skull and start banging into the wall thinking it's going to work better. That's exactly what you guys are doing. Stop it. Stop giving yourselves these headaches. We know you're better than that. 
You want to continue with the rest of the article? Uh, oh, God. Uh, uh, we focused on the health of the game, and, and so uh, bug after bug, patch after patch, we're fixing and improving it. But yeah, yeah that's, I mean, that's, that's, not, that's, that's, not that's your typical that's, PR stuff. Yeah, that's not important. That's not important. Let's go with... Uh, uh, so we want to improve the core gameplay experience, and that is what we have focused on. And now, as you might know, we just released Season 1, and we have good feedback. I don't believe that, but whatever. Yeah, the players yeah, are enjoying our map and... There was good feedback. Really? Yeah, remember last time I said the map is great? Ah, right, right, right. So the map in of itself is great. But again, like I'm not hearing a lot of positive feedback as far as the volume of the content. That's that's more along the lines of what I was getting at. Uh, back into the quote. Quote, the, the players are enjoying our map and the content that we have provided. Okay, duh, should have kept reading. So it's a win for us and it makes us feel better. The team here is here to make Battlefield and they're passionate about Battlefield. We have many Battlefield veterans, so it's important for us to improve Battlefield 2042 and the experience that we can provide to our players. We owe them that. Yes, you do. You've always owed us that. You, you will continue to owe us that because that's that's why we're your fans because we know you can deliver that. We know what you're capable of and also you're contractually obligated in order to do that as well. So that kind of takes a little bit of the valor out from underneath of that. Uh, back into the article, quote, with so much change in leadership and considering the negative reaction to 2042, it must have been tempting to draw a line under the game and simply move on, but Kutaz insists that that was never an option. Uh, back to quoting her, quote, no, we couldn't do that to our players and we wouldn't do that to ourselves, says Kutaz. I don't want to use the word revenge because it's too strong in English, but you know we cannot leave it like that. As I said, we owe it to our players. This is now starting to scream like normal PR damage control where they're saying, yes, we're going to do what we're obligated in order to do because we have to, you know, more in, you know, what what some people would like to refer to as PR wank. Uh, back into the article, there's, there's more to the changes at DICE than just who is making the decisions. Despite creating some of the most popular online shooter games in the world, the studio still operates like a more traditional developer. <clears throat> Then they, where they create a game, update it for a bit, and then move on to the next one. Today, the team is transitioning further into a live service operation. I'm going to let you take the reins on that one. Uh, sorry, I was just uh, waving at my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> she just woke up. Um, yeah, so which part you read part? The live service? Uh, the live service. Where right, okay. Where they're, where they're... Uh, right, so here's the thing, Dice. Listen to me now. Dice, Dice. What do you mean that you're... You hit, okay, I get that they were a really, really traditional studio. They, like, make a game, release the game, and move on to a next game. And they have a skeleton crew making the post-content for the existing game. Cool. And you say that you've been working like that since forever. Great, that's fine. And you need to adapt to the new age of game development and how live services work and, you know, battle passes, all that kind of stuff. I get that's great, and I'm glad you finally admit that you need to change. Problem is, why this sentence is really making me angry and mad is mostly because you had... This is your third life servers game. Third. You have your Star Wars Battlefront 2, Battlefield 5, and now you have Battlefield 2042. All three so-called life servers games. And you whoa, want whoa, to whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. We can throw Battlefield 1 into that mix as well. Because Battlefield One did have a bit of a track as far as like some 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 consistent progression, almost like your daily battle pass would be, but it wasn't an exact carbon copy clone. So I'm gonna lump, I'm gonna lump Battlefield One in there as well. So this would make four. It still had premium though. Yeah, ba Battlefield but, Four will close will be closer to being a live service game because he had post uh, free content coming out after the premium was ended. 
but Battlefield One introduced the whole Boins model, the premium currency model, was it all that other 1? stuff. So that's why I'm saying like that kind of gets lumped into it. Was it Battlefield One? Yes, it was Battlefield One that introduced Boins and all the rest of that shit. Really? The I skins. Think it was... Yes. I, no, it was the battle packs. Remember? Uh then if we're gonna take and we're gonna lump battle packs into that, then oh no, yeah, the daily battle packs and the earning currency in order. To, yeah, so 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 yeah, Battlefield One could, you could, could buy could qualify as a baby live service. Yeah, you could buy you could buy uh, what's it called battle packs to get skins. Yeah, yeah the, that's what was Battlefield One. But anyway, you had three games: Star Wars Battlefront Two, Battlefield Five. Battlefield 2042. This is your third attempt at making a live service game, and you're already failing at the third one. How many chances or education or how many experience do you need? I understand you had a developer exodus happening at Battlefield 5. I get. But how many... And they did. They lost quite a bit of their, their core veteran talent who made the games that we love so much. Battlefield 3, Battlefield 4, Bad Company... Um, the, the the golden age, as it were. That that generation of developers has long since left, and it, there's maybe a couple of them left. So, yeah, yeah. So I I, I don't understand how like, but I get Star Wars Battlefront Two got shit on for the loot boxes because the way it was the progression was working, it was really shit. They fixed the the problem, and now the, it's a great game. Battlefield 5 was like the proper live service game. Said, yeah, free content, no no premium, no uh, loot boxes and shit. You just play, progress, and you get free content and so on, blah, blah, blah. It, the problem with Battlefield 5 failed, uh, it was mostly content, that lack of content, and the way they changed the TTK so many times and all, all that kind of stuff. There was There's so many things they could learn from that, but clearly they haven't. And then this comes out, Battlefield 2042. Your first season comes out six, seven months later when the game comes out. Modern Warfare 2 is around the corner. I really don't care about... Do <laughs> you guess when the last time I played in Battlefield right now? It's probably been a while. Since the update dropped, like two, three weeks ago. So I haven't touched the game since then. Maybe I did for a little bit, but I can't remember. It's like I, I, the, the remember those easy weekly challenges? Yeah, I'm not doing them. I just like I can't be asked. You know, I, I can't be asked. You know, so you have three games under your belt, life service games, and you still say that you need to adapt to the new industry. Okay. Like there aren't plenty of examples okay. out there of this model being used properly and being done properly. Yeah, well, you and you've got to look. And a lot, of, a lot of people say, like, oh, we should bring premium, we'll fix all the problems. And no, it would not fix all your problems because, one, premium, not a lot of people owned premium in the first place because that means they have to pay up for the same, the same price they paid for the game in the first place. And doesn't mean the content in premium will be good or whatsoever. Like, premium is such a selfish way of asking content. I want content, but 99% of the player base will not have that content. But I pay for it, so I have this content. Like, it's, it's premium is such an outdated system. There's a reason why Activision... Like, for example, Activision, they dropped Season Pass uh, since Black Ops 4, so that's three, four years ago, and they started doing this, like, uh, live service game, and it's working fine. I mean, some people complain that there's lack of content each season, but doesn't matter. Like, the way it works right now in Call of Duty, it's fantastic, regardless if you like the car or not. It, it does provide the content, and you don't have to pay anything for it. You know, other games do it right. So why can't that? Why why people 
especially in the Valve community, give DICE a pass. Oh, we need premium, and that will fix all the problems. No, you're just not... No, no, it won't. You're just looking yeah, from a we're, selfish we're perspective. Right back into the gatekeeping issue. Yeah, you, like the literal gatekeeping. 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 You're not looking at the bigger problem. You're looking at your own selfish needs. I want content, because I paid for my content. Yeah, and 99% of the player base won't, won't experience that content, because... Why? You're not going to... And we had this problem with, what, like, Naval Strike and a couple of the DLCs in Battlefield 4, where, like, these, these DLCs would launch, and then after, like, three days, there was... The servers were dead, because nobody was playing. They would go back to the original maps, which everybody had, because then they could play with everybody. So, you know, while... I mean, I could sit here and be like, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of missed the premium model a little bit, too, because at least, you know, there was some consistency behind it and you knew what to expect. But at the same time, I don't like it because, again, of the gatekeeping issue, which we ran into multiple times. And, you know, try to encourage somebody in order to to, to pay 50 bucks for a, a DLC pass to make sure that you could participate with your team in, in, comp- in competitions and stuff like that is really hard pitch in order to do. Well, now, on the flip side, with this live service model, which this is the only part about live service that I like, everybody gets the content because it's it's general update it's that's what it's considered as um what i don't like about live services is when it turns into a job when it turns into an obvious whale pandering scheme when it turns into an excuse in order to slow roll out development and slow roll out content because you're trying to stretch the lifespan of this game out i've said it multiple times you make a good product you make good content you make good things the people will come on their own you don't have to coerce them you don't have to coax them you don't have to entrap them none of that shit you it's been done it was done in the gaming industry long before some of these people were even old enough in order to pick up a controller themselves and start playing and i'm talking about the people who are developing the games now who are like my age and substantially younger um this stuff worked and now to see the industry abandoning it in in favor of some of this other stuff and some of these other tricks that they're trying to do, it, it saddens me. But I don't have a problem with live service if it's done right. And I understand that, you know, quote-unquote right is a subjective thing, and it's going to vary from person to person as far as, you know, what's being done right. Because for some people, oh, yeah, I'll spend $100 a month for a battle pass. Yeah, whatever, that doesn't bother anything to me. But for people like me, that means something. What am I getting for that $100? Where's my value in that? I, ha- I, ask, I-, I ask these questions because $100 is not disposable to me. I work hard for that money. You've got to earn my money, not coerce it out of me. There's a reason why free-to-play games are really the the biggest shit right now because everyone can play. Yeah, there's you there's know? no there's no gate there. The only now we again on the flip side as far as the free-to-play go is is that is free-to-play tends to lean more towards pay-to-win, and in some cases I can understand that, but there's egregious problems with some of that because a lot of these games that are heavy based pay to win they're charging astronomical prices so that they can actually put you know that which separates the player base in of themselves as far as progression goes in some cases um oh yeah i'll spend you know, 200 dollars in order to, you know, to, to 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 do my whole entire tech tree and i won't have to worry about sitting around and waiting i can go around and start killing people now <laughs> i no it yeah and then you have those people like me who grind and work for what they get and it comes out at such a snail's pace, it's it's very disparaging. It's And I don't like it. You want to continue with the rest of the article? 
Uh, yes. So that analysis took us, uh, quote, that analysis took us a couple of months and we are now fixing it. We're getting reorganized, restructured, improving processes, adapting them to make, be able to make these monstrous games that we are making in co-development, also working in the hybrid model. So many learnings in the team are really behind me. They really want to change. They couldn't leave it like it was. So everybody is super motivated and we have done, in my opinion, a lot of changes in the last five to six months. It's far from perfect and we have many things to still learn, but we're integrating everything that we've learned so far. Yeah, we're saying Everything that the shareholders want to hear, everything that's you know being said, quote unquote, right. Uh, we're we're admitting fault and saying that we're going to make changes and blah 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 blah. Again, PR uh, PR wank, uh, but still saying the right things and said you know PR wank. Uh, it, back to the article quote: It's not just about learning for, for from themselves either. Kutez says that working with Vince Sampanella and the wider EA organization brings some of that valuable Apex Legends experience to the team. So now we've got to bring in a pinch hitter in order to to, to, to help fix things. Uh, back to quoting her quote: On a personal level, to be able to work with people like Vince and Byron, uh, Ripple Effect, nice, uh, and Marcus uh, and Alex. Uh, Dice LA essentially is very inspiring. I was actually very intimidated in my first meeting with Vince, being such a great personality in industry. They work with us on a, if not a daily basis, weekly basis. So we're playing the game, reviewing, challenging, and they're asking us sometimes very hard and good questions. And also being in the organization of Vince, it may gives us the success team, uh, gives us access to the team at Apex, and to be able to share best practices with that fabulous team, it helps us to grow, to iterate, to be creative, and to understand. Um, <clears throat> did you guys not? co-cooperate did you guys not you know do do you guys not co- talk with each other whatsoever as far as hey well you know we're gonna we're thinking about doing this and this is gonna be great or is ea so locked down internally that you guys can't communicate with each other as far as what you're doing on your own project yeah that's what i'm confused because about because if that's the case that's scary yeah because you have a big fucking publisher like ea and you want to tell me leadership doesn't talk to each other regarding anything I'm you guys pres- don't run into each other on your lunch break and be like, "How was your day?" No, you no, know, I, I, no. I get it. it's like a glo- global teams like Dice and America and so on. I get, you know, Respawn and Dice are completely different countries. So, you know, one in Sweden, one in America. But one, you would imagine they would talk and like I don't know, have monthly meetings about anything. You would or imagine like the, the 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 inner working environment at that place uh, between all these studios so competitive, which I don't understand why it has to be competitive. You guys are all under the same umbrella, so technically you guys are all playing for the same team that you guys are actually hoarding ideas? Because if that's the case, too, that's just as scary as saying that EA is just locked down internal communications and companies can't, can't, can't co-communicate. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, that, that, both ways that for me to interpret that make me feel like that there's not a... It, it's very... It, it's lacking of my faith. Um, back into the article... Uh, when it comes to the specific changes that Kutaz has made, she talks about adding new tools and processes. She says the new structure is designed to be lean and agile, whatever that means. All things that she admits sound like bud. Uh, all things that she admits sound like buzzwords, but that there needs to be a very clear chain of command when we make games, and this to be really flat and lean, so that our creators can feel empowered. Yeah, it does sound like a lot of buzzwords. Um, quote talking about her quote they can innovate be creative take risks but fail fast and be able to fail fast we need to iterate then play that game we have worked on a lot of that as well end quote uh all of and back into the article all of this change while trying to fix a disappointing game is enough for any studio to undertake during the best of times but it's all happening while game studios are still learning to adapt to this new world of remote work work well, remote and hybrid working dice has embraced this but like most developers it's still learning how to make it work effectively um yeah, you guys have had a little bit over a year in order to get this right. 
and I understand that not everybody being in an inner office uh, environment is the best for creativity because creative people need to kind of be around each other in order to bounce ideas off of each other. I, I understand that. I respect that. Um, but in some cases, you know, you got to you gotta live with the times that you're in, man. Not to sound like a complete hippie, but that's the truth. Um, there, what, and I understand that COVID, nobody had a contingency for that. I, I am not... I am not 100% sinning some companies' reactions to the COVID lockdowns and everybody not being able to go into office and work how they're traditionally used to doing. Because you you shake up anybody's work processes, it's going to be jarring for just about anybody. Actually, it's going to be jarring for everybody. It's just a matter of how long it takes for you in order to react to that jarring, to be perfectly honest. Um, <clears throat> back to quoting her, quote, all game developers had to be super creative and innovative to be able to adapt to this. She says, uh, quote, today we are hybrid and that's the way we want to be in the future. Of course, we are learning every day about new things. Like when one person is on Zoom and you have two others in the meeting room, these things are about adapting and learning to every day in this hybrid model. But we are all for it. And the beauty of it is, is that we can recruit experts from all over the world, people who have a passion for Battlefield, but who didn't really want to move to Europe or didn't really want to move to Sweden. They can work for us now. Right. Sweet. Okay. I still wouldn't be able to get a job, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. This is why I this article conf- confused me because uh, I have some friends that work at TA or you know, and the company basically says, uh, "Yeah, you need to go back to the office." So this only works for higher, only for the pe- for the seniors, only for the high people, like really high people. Like, oh, you can work for us. You can work from home, but if you're just a low 3D designer or uh, I don't know. Something I don't know. Pick a job from time. If, right? if you're if 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 you're a UI coder or UI designer, yeah, pick a job. You're, you're doing done, right? the what would be considered the grunt work. Yeah, the grunt just work. To pick... put it bluntly, you're you're not staying home. Yeah, EA says. I was told the day is asking developers to go back to the studio to the actual office, and I'm like, why? Like I get like if like sometimes you need to be in, in person and everything, but do you have to force it? Why can't just they come in whenever they need to to the office? You know that's what I'm saying. Like is if you're working on a hybrid, why only this applies to people that are really really good? At, what, what, why? You know that's why I care about the game developers' health and you know work and life balance. You know the reason why it's just we go back to the same shit again. You know crunch. You know. Developers are tired, frustrated, all that kind of stuff. But you have to go back to the office, even though you can do your work just fine from work from home, as proven by so many studios and so many companies that you can do it from home just fine. You know, if a person wants to leave, work from home, fine, great, that's fine. As long as you produce the work. Why my, you have to? My only subtle advocation, okay, and I kind of hate myself for saying this, but ah, it is also before continue, before continue, just because before I forget. Apparently, for some reason, like, you need to, apparently, meetings of someone, like, for, like, NDA stuff, you know, secret meetings, whatever, like, happening, you know, you behind closed doors, like, it's safer to do it in person. But again, you can come into the office during that meeting. You don't have to work in, in the office all the fucking time. You know, that kind of stuff. Well, anyway, it's not continue. just that. If you have your remote work protocols set properly with security and, you know, you actually put your money into it, they, like, that really isn't a problem either. Um, but anyway, I continue. digress. Yeah, anyway, continue. Um, what I was going to say is, is the only subtle advocation that I have for people having to come back to the office to work are the people who don't really know how the software works, how the engine works, how the inner, how, how the inner workflow works, stuff like that. And 
from a a synergy uh, from a synergy side of it, I can understand the want to get everybody back in because you know you send a message off to a coworker. It's one thing in order to you know send a message off to a coworker who's clear on the other side of the country and go, hey, I need help with this real quick, and you have nobody else that you can communicate with in order to help you solve this problem. And this is a rare instance that this probably happens, but still, I have to advocate for the fact that it probably does happen. You now have to wait for that other person in order to wake up, in order to get back in touch with you, in order to help fix your problem so that you can continue your work. It's a different story to do that than say, I got to get up and walk two cubicles down in order to go find the guy that I need in order to get the help I need. So from that front alone, and only that front, as far as inner working synergy goes, I understand the drive to want to get to people in order to come back so that everybody can be synonymous with one another. Communication happens a lot more instantaneous. I get it. But on the flip side of it, you're talking about a creative industry. You're talking about where ideas have to come together. They have to be conceived. And most people come up with their best ideas on their own, at home, not being forced, not being coerced, not essentially having a gun to their head. You put a gun to my head and tell me I got to come up with something on the spot. It's not going to be anywhere near as good as anything where I sat around on my couch, probably scratching my butt and then going, oh, hey, I just had this idea. The two, the quality of the two ideas are not comparable because the idea that came naturally, the idea that popped up is always going to be the better one than say, you know, you got your hands around somebody's throat and you're screaming at them. You need to come up with this now. You know what I mean? that's that's the flip side of the coin. And I think that side of the coin is the side that all the developers are banging on about when they say, I don't want to go into the office. And working in an office is stressful. I've never done it, but I guarantee you it is. I, I For example, I worked in an office, like I worked at Sony, and I had chances to work from home. And honestly, I could do my work from home just fine. The, literally, I did so many times work from home, and I... I did it early. I did it like just fine. I had no problems working from home, so I didn't. And there are people who are like that, who who are perfectly fine being in an isolated environment and getting their work done. And I mean, if you're competent at what you do, you know what you're doing, and you know for a fact that you're probably not going to need help all that much. It's perfectly fine. Yeah. There's, I don't see a problem. Yeah, there. and if you want to go in the office and you think it works for you bad, there, that's fine. Like. You do whatever works for you best, you know, as long as the work is done. That's what I'm saying. Like, so. I mean, not to get into socioeconomics of it, but if we start cutting down on how many people actually need to be at some of these fancy office buildings, that opens the possibility that, hey, maybe we can start leasing these fancy office buildings yeah, out for cheap housing. Yeah, don't about that. Anyway, off topic. So, you know, we can, let's, let's not get into that, but hey, let me just make anyway, that next dig quote, while next we're quote, at it. Next quote, next quote, next quote. All right, last, <laughs> last one, last one. During my chat with Kutaz, uh, this is quoting the article writer directly, uh, during my chat with Kutaz, I could not help but admire the pictures behind her from the Mirror's Edge comics. DICE may be best known for Battlefield, but it has from time to time worked on other projects too. With all the talks of Battlefield are more unusual projects like Mirror's Edge on the back burner for now. Uh, Quoting Kutaz, quote, totally, she says definitively. We are only focusing on Battlefield 2042. There is no time for anything else, and this is what we want to do. In three years, we want to be the first-person shooter powerhouse that DICE deserves to be, and that is what we're going for. Uh, She concludes, quote, I want the team to be really proud about Battlefield 2042. That is what they are chasing and what they have in their heart and the passion there. We want to be really, really proud of DICE. We want DICE to be the number one spot for first-person shooter games in Europe and one of the powerhouses in the world. It is a fabulous team, so we're going to make magic together. Oh my god, that fucking word again. That um, Okay, okay, okay. There's so many things. I kind of want to um, go through this quickly. So, so they say 
yeah, we can't work on Mirror's Edge because we're all focused on Battlefield 2042. Right, okay, so this was what she probably means. Um, there's only one studio making Battlefield. It's DICE. So that's already limited resources of how many people you can put on a project. That's one thing. I get that after Battlefield 2042, you kind of need to put all people on deck, you know, working on the next game. You need to make sure the next game is fucking perfect. Like, I re-listened our old episodes, uh, Battlefield 1 podcast at work, because I want to see how opinions, how our opinions changed over the time and so on. And we were talking about Battlefield 5, how the next game needs to be, like, after Battlefield 5, the next game needs to be fucking perfect. Otherwise, the franchise is dead. That's our word, my words. Now I realize that I was wrong in some cases. As long as the game is good, it will sell. But if the next game is the next Battlefield game, that's on deliver. It might, it will might be the end for the franchise, unironically. But if it's good, it will. Keep, like, because there's so many burn bridges with Battlefield 5 and 2042. Even though Battlefield 22 was one of the best-selling games of the year, it's not a top-selling game, but it was it sold it's it's all good. It was up there. It was up there. It still left a really horrible taste in people's mouth regarding the Battlefield franchise. And when you continue providing stinker, stink, you know, stinker after stinker, I mean. Some people say Battlefield is amazing right now. It's mostly because Battlefield 42 is shit. That's why people think it's amazing. It's it's by comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a, that's not a good thing in order to say either. So, um, yeah. Anyway, so as I was saying, I I get Dice has limited resources. Like they don't. It's only Dice working on the Battlefield game. So I get you don't have enough people, and you need a skeleton crew working on 2042. To provide that content and so on, and you need to leave it in a good state. Otherwise, your next game is gonna fucking bomb if you don't fix this game. It will sell. It will sell. The next game will sell. But it all depends if it's gonna it's, sell. It's gonna be the hardcore main core yeah, audience yeah, yeah. that insists upon having all of them. It's gonna be the collectors mainly that want it. And I'll even further expand on what you said. I personally believe that it's not the next one that's going to be the nail in the coffin. The it's next this one. one. It's ah, this, this one, one right this here. One. Okay. This one right here. And the reason why I say that is is because I have, uh, like, I'm already at that point myself. I, I don't feel very confident about the future of this franchise anymore. I don't. I haven't since, you know, midway through Battlefield Five. I started realizing this is starting to go in a direction that we all did never, we never wanted it in order to go in. We kept screaming it. The whole entire community, and it's not just us on this podcast that, that's saying, you know, with confidence that we were screaming this stuff. This is the whole community that was saying this. We didn't like the direction that this was going. And when 2042 came out, we saw the culmination of all of those fears. Something that was quickly put together. It was not thought out through as well as it should have been. It was just blasted out there in order to compete with something. And we've been saying for years that that practice has to stop. Now, it kind of seemed like it was getting a little bit better with 5. It didn't seem like they rushed that out. Like, they, they kind of took their time in order to fuck that up, uh, you know, so to speak. A lot of people hated working on Battlefield 5, I heard. And I could understand why, because again, you're talking about a game that has to have a lot of historical reference. There's 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 a lot more to having to 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 copy historical reference. And I've heard stories from some of the people that even worked on Battlefield One, so I understand the stress behind this. You know, to to have to go and get historical pictures and you know constantly pour through archives and reference things. It's a lot easier in order to just be creative and make something new. So 
for 2042 to bomb harder than what Battlefield 5 did, I'm really just blown away by it, which tells me that they were putting their focus in the wrong spots. DICE isn't known for their visual fidelity and their visual quality. You know, their mo- their, a lot of their gun models are bar none. There are still models in Battlefield 4 to this day that are being hailed as like the best model ever made of certain firearms that were made because of the attention to detail that they put in. Now, to take that standard and put it in historical scope, again, with Battlefield 1 and 5, highly stressful. Holy, totally understand it. And hearing it from the people that actually did that work, I get it. I, I, that does not need to be beat over my head at all. But it's so not even that. Battlefield 5 had a conflicting vision because remember when they revealed trailer? It, it, it was like a. It's a, It was a World War II game, but it was like more like fantasized World War II game. And, yeah, it was like alternate history. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. and II, people, which was fine. People had a problem with that for some reason, but I know why they had a the problem because marketing was uh, not clear enough that it was. Yeah, this. no, it wasn't. So it when wasn't. you see, when you see a lady with a you know a prosthetic arm, you know it's fine. I don't care, but you had to straight away said this is an alternative history of World War Two. You know, this is more fantasized. This is fantasy. This is not a historical when it began. Yeah, this is a what if. Yeah, what if. But marketing wasn't clear about that, and that's why one of the reasons why people had a problem with Battlefield Five. Anyway, that's Battlefield Five, and that's why. But probably, anyway, as I was, yeah. as I was saying, the reason why I honestly think that this is the last one is because they're they're committing to this. They're saying that they want to hang on to this for another. Okay, so let's see here. New Battlefield in 2042, 2045. So that, yeah, the, that the, does put it three years out from now. That means they want to hang on to this and they want to try. And to their credit, I will salute that they want to try like hell in order to make this what they originally thought it was. That circles right back to my first point about, you know, being proud of what you put out there before you even put it out there. But I'm not going to get back into that again. I think this is the nail in the coffin because they're giving themselves all of this time in order to make it right. And if they can't do it right in the three years that they are giving themselves, I have no faith in the fact that they are ever going to get it right. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold Steve Austin said so. No. Um, <laughs> but that's the truth. And I, I know I'm not alone on that sentiment. Because that's... It, I see it all the time in the community. You know, this is the last straw. We're done. You know, if you want to... you got, And I'm, I'm telling you guys, if you want to ride this horse into the sunset, this horse, this Battlefield 2042 horse, you better do it right. You better get it right. You've, you're giving yourself all this time in order to do it. Three years is a great development time. I don't know if it's the best time frame in the world for something that's already out in the wild, but hey, you know, I feel like you're giving yourself ample time in order to do it. You don't get it right. You don't start wowing us. You don't give me a reason to personally shell out the money to buy this game. I'll, I'll even say that. You guys have got three years to convince me, to convince me to buy this game. And if you do, I'll hail it as a win. I'll say, yeah, you guys finally got your shit together. Now make sure you do it and you keep doing it. You do it for the next one and the next one. If you want to say that you're going to learn your lessons, learn your lessons and actually learn your lessons. Make me want to buy 2042. I'm putting that fucking challenge out there right now. Do it. Make me want to buy this game. Yeah, and... Make all the people that already own this game want to rebuy this game. Put put that mentality in them. Go that extra step. Do that. What, what always been with, and she mentioned with Dice, Kota uh, has mentioned, like, oh, we make the game, we make a new one, you know, move on, the next game. And that's, I hope not, it's not going to happen. No matter how much I hate 2042 on a fundamental level, 
I just hope, I fucking hope, finally, you learn your fucking lesson and you will not scrap all the good stuff you did with previous game for the next one. Like, if there's something good in 2042, you add that to the next game. It's so like, same with Battlefield 4, there was some good stuff. Why didn't you add it for Battlefield 1? Don't get me yeah, wrong, which Battlefield is, 1 was right, a great game. This, but- here's what's ironic about that. What's crazily ironic about 2042, and, and this irony is not lost on me. 2042 is almost kind of what we were asking for in Battlefield 4. If you think back about it and you actually think about some of the shit that we said, when Battlefield 4 was getting towards the end of its first pre- uh, towards the end of its premium cycle, we made the comment, we all in agreement, I think there was 5 of us on one podcast episode who agreed to this. If they want to continue this on for another 3 to 4 years, they could easily do it and we would easily buy a second premium pass to it. So, now, here we have 2042, which is a live service model, which is quintessentially almost what we were asking. They're saying, okay, we're going to give this game another three years worth of a lifespan. That is, in a sense, kind of what we wanted. But it's not being done right. Again. Again. Like, three live service games, and they still haven't learned. Okay, doesn't matter. We're already in this situation. You already fucked up. Okay, let's try to fix the game. Cool. Provide your four four legally <laughs> legally provide your four seasons, and I hope I I not, I, I, I not only hope I actually think they will do something after those four seasons for twenty forty two. I'll I'll think I personally think they're gonna remake some maybe about more about three or four maps probably four. I'm pretty sure they will remake some Balfi four maps for this game. It's not gonna be a big number of maps. It's not gonna be a big content drop. I just got. I think they're gonna provide like one or two maps, you know, post launch after those four seasons. They're not gonna call them seasons. It's just gonna be post launch content, you know. And I think they're gonna do that for the next game. Uh, we can talk about it for the next podcast, but I'm not gonna because I I, I want I want to ask well, oh what's our prediction for the next game? But that's gonna be another podcast for itself. Um, there's also 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 known that Battlefield the next Battlefield have a single player game that was already kind of announced uh, the Seattle studio is making that the new Seattle studio they, they just opened uh, they don't have a name yet but the what's his name Halo guy I forgot his name he's the lead uh, yeah the Halo guy's doing it now yeah yeah he, he, yeah the Halo guy uh, Master Chief <laughs> no no it's not Master Chief no I <laughs> forgot his name um, but he, he worked on Halo he's the narrative lead designer or some crap I can't remember what was the title but he's basically leading the studio at Seattle, and he's making the single-player game for the next Battlefield. So, put all this together. I hope that Skeleton Crew at DICE is doing their best to provide something for this game. Make no mistake, Battlefield 2042 is a doomed game. It's, it's, it's done. That's why I'm not interested in like committing to this game that much, because it's a doomed game. But... Unfortunately, you have to provide the content and fix the game so maybe 10,000 people can play on a regular basis, you know. And then, I, I don't know, it just makes me so mad that you need like two, three games to learn a lesson, what's right, what's wrong. And it's mostly, like I said, it's all probably in the pre-production. If you fuck up your pre-production, your whole game is going to be screwed from the, from the get-go. And all this you know, interview and everything. It sounds great, but like you said, actions speak louder than words, you know, and how we talk about 
shareholders, they have to appease every nonsense about shareholders, like, oh, we're doing this and this. Just, it's mostly damage control. But how about you talk to us as player base? For example, there's some developers don't want to read Reddit anymore. Why? Because they consider it to be toxic. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, don't get me wrong. Reddit can be toxic sometimes. But yeah, nobody is ever gonna de- nobody is ever gonna deny that fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you, 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 it should be in the terms of service before you sign up to Reddit. You need to be a, <laughs> you need to have a thick skin in order to participate in this website. Yeah, period. But, but here's the thing: some developers take it extremely personally. Like, oh, they're shitting on me. They're not shitting on you. They're shitting on the fucking company and the shitty company that put out this fucking product. They're shitting on the that made pro- you do this shit. Yes, don't get me wrong. There's some douchebags. Fucking cunts sending death threats to developers, but fuck them guys, fuck those fucking idiots that are sending death threats. That and you know said- I I get it that you know this is this is this is your this is your passion this is your work this is what you know you wanted to do with your life and then to have a bunch of people shit all over it I understand that that could be you know really disheartening to some people I get it I really do, but you got to understand that the anger is not necessarily at you personally. Most of the time, it never, I don't think it ever should be because anybody who has a brainstem knows that it's not you guys that are actually making the decisions. We know this. We, we were guilty of this at one point. We, we were guilty of directly shitting on dice and, and saying, and, and, and saying, Hey, you know, you guys are making the decisions. This has got to fucking stop. And they took it upon themselves to open our eyes to things. And we were very grateful for that. So we know now. We know better. Some of these stupid decisions that frankly come out that people get pissed off at the development team for, you guys have got to stop. It's not necessarily the development team's fault, and we've known this for years now. You guys have got to understand this. When a product gets rushed out, it's not the... I I really honestly don't think it's the developers that are saying, well, whatever, just put it out there. It's the developers that are saying no, that are not saying that no, it's not ready, and they're not screaming about it loud enough. And I understand you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you and go out in public and say, hey, you know, upper management made us do it, so please... Please don't be mad at us. We, we we understand that you can't do that. But the responsibility has to start being put where the responsibility actually is. And the responsibility for a lot of the problems that are going on in this franchise right now is coming directly from the top because they want to appear appeal, not appear, appeal to the shareholder base. And we've said it already in this podcast multiple times. That practice has to stop. Once you guys, you the lower ones who actually make the product, finally stand up for yourselves and say the product is not ready. We're not putting it out. We don't care what you say. And this gives me more pause in order to say that the game that the, that the gaming industry needs to be unionized, period. Because that's going to give you guys that right in order to say, well, if you don't want to listen to us. We're not going to finish it. You can go ahead and you can put it out there on your own. We're going to go public and we're going to say it wasn't our decision to put it out this way because we're now unionized and we have the right in order to say that and actually start putting the finger pointing where it needs to be put so that these changes can be made as the industry in a whole. Get to that point. For the love of crap, it sounds like you guys are actually starting to try and kind of get to that point. Now take the step and do it. If it's not ready, if it's not up to your standards, and you know it, don't let upper management push you into putting it out there. Stop purposely destroying your own resume and your own work ethics. Stop backstabbing yourself over this crap and just say no. I mean, we can talk about the game industry so for many more hours because remember when I said that some certain developers can't even put something they worked on for years because the game was never released? Like, they, they can't put it on their CV, 
Because NDAs. Like, what's with all this fucking secrecy? And you know why he told me? Like, oh, it's mostly because well, we don't want we don't we don't want our competition in order to no. we don't want our competition to get it's the secrets out and, yeah. and, and rip stalk, us off. Stalk shareholders, all that cop, all that kind of shit. Fuck me. It's about the people with money, not the people that are working on these games. Developers get fucked over. They can't put stuff on their CV because shareholders. Because company secrets. What company secrets? You work on a fucking game? Whoopie do like any other fucking studio in the fucking world. Yeah, and and we could we could spend a whole a whole episode going on about yeah, a lot yeah, of yeah, fundamental yeah. shit that's got to stop. And but again, we we'd be like we've said multiple times, we'd be banging, we'd be beating on the same dead horse that we've been beating on for years now. Like we knew that a lot of these problems were starting to get out of hand. We 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 knew it, and we've been saying it for years. We've been begging people for years to just stop blaming the development team, but we've, but I, I'm also changing gears, and I'm telling the development team now, start standing up for yourselves. Start. Start doing it. The sooner you start doing that, the sooner you start standing up against those people that are telling you in order to, 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 to completely burn your name into the ground and make yourself the target for the anger of the people who actually buy the products. Once you start doing that, immediately, almost immediately, upper management is going to change their tone. They're going to start changing how they do things. They're going to start thinking. They're going to start asking, is it ready yet? Is it, is it actually ready yet? And stop lying to them if you are. Stop appeasing them. You know, be, be, be honorable. Say, admit the fault. Say, no, it's not ready. It yeah, needs a couple I, I, more months. I, I... It needs its time. Yeah, I heard from multiple people how dice works sometimes, and it just makes me angry. I'm kind of, I'm glad. I once applied for a couple of jobs at dice. Granted, they would probably not take me anyway because I'm. I'm we under, both did, and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm under. Yeah, I'm. A, I, I, according to them, would be underqualified for anything, but that's fine. I don't care. From what I heard, how they work at dice, it just makes me really mad and angry. Because it's mostly, and you don't have to read the the glass door reviews or something like that. Like you don't have to believe them, but but majority of the time, where smoke, there's usually fire. You know, you know, mo- most of it's probably like mo- mo- some of it is not probably not true, maybe or taken from a context that is personal to a diff- to a specific person. But when you put everything together, it doesn't sound like a good place to work on, just because reasons you know okay i'm just gonna say this overall this article fantastic article i think it's a fantastic article may sheets uh, miss kotas i think i, I don't know <laughs> uh, general manager dies she speaks good stuff i like her already and there's no people from Zampella, but everything but i think these people that handling the company right now the, the whole franchise I think they're the right people, and I think they understand what makes Battlefield Battlefield. But some people have to admit, uh, understand that ba- just like the franchise itself, you can't like how gaming industry is evolving to different like in different ways and different levels and so on. You have to understand that Battlefield has to evolve too with the game industry, but as long as it makes sense for the franchise. For example, the Battle Royale. Do we need Battle Royale in Battlefield 2042 or the next game? No, we don't. Are, no, are, it clearly I really... doesn't work. Yeah, so, but... It doesn't that's... fit. Yeah, but that doesn't mean you can apply other, you know, standards from the current gaming industry into the new game. You know, free to pl- you know, free-to-play maybe, or battle passes, you know, all that kind of stuff. Doesn't mean you can't apply this to the next game and, you know, make it better, improve it, you know, whatever that may be. 
So the leadership is there. Sounds like they understand it. But again, we heard this before. You know, we heard this talk before. Action speaks louder. And speak are we loud. going to see any actual action on yes. those words? Yeah, I'm that's, not gonna... that's the big question. That's the elephant in the room right now, and that's unfortunately not an immediately and easily answered question. It's going to take time, and we'll, we'll know the answer to that in three years. Yeah, and Seriously. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to say, oh, the if no, if the next game fails, the French is dead. I I, I stopped making rumors like not rumors, uh, uh, predictions. Claims. Yeah, claims, predictions like that, in, uh, because you don't know what's going to happen in a year. Because from what I learned, ever. So many things can change in a year. It's just insane. And it's really unfair to make claims or predictions like that because you don't you don't know what's gonna happen. All we and know they could. They could they could they could flip the leaf around, they could flip the script and you know, and in a couple of months I might actually want to shell out the money in order to buy the game. It is it is it is there is the potential the opposite. There for it to happen. Or the opposite. It could be the biggest biggest shit in twenty forty two. You know, or it could be the laziest effort put forth, and they're just going to do the bare minimum that they need in order to do, in order to keep out of you know keep out of a courtroom, and then they're just going to move on to the next one. And and again, we're going to be right back here all over again. And to, the cycle has to be broken, it has to. So if you're going to commit to this, if they're going to say these things, excuse me, they need to actually commit to them. They need to actually do them, and they need to just stop saying it. Just do yeah. it. It's funny if actually the next game is a disaster like 2042. Oh boy, I'm I'm done. If, if the, that yeah, happens, yeah. I'm done. The internet is gonna rip the franchise apart. And I'm I'm done. I'm not even I'm not even gonna bother saying anything about it. I'm not even gonna bother saying I told you so. I'm I'm just not. I'm just gonna be done. That's I, gonna, I that's actually gonna be I actually don't like. I don't know what Dice could do after that. Like I I just they will literally need to put the franchise on hold. Just literally, I know it's. Dice, wait, not Dice. I know EA will never close Dice because Dice is too big. But at that point, nah, I I don't know. They, they, they hell that loose boy. It's just, <laughs> I, it's, it's gonna be bad. It's it, it yeah. Is. If the next game is a same level as twenty forty two, it's just. Oh. So again, I reiterate, and I can't say it again. If you're gonna say these things, do these things. Stop saying these things. Just start doing these things. It's simple as that. Actually, you know what? Uh, it's funny how before 2042 came out, EA said, oh, this is a flagship game. This is one of the most important launches of the year. After the game came out a couple of months later, a shareholders meeting, they say, yeah, Battlefield franchise only provides 10% of our revenue for the company. Oh, yeah, okay, this is why we're switching tunes now? That's how we do it now? Yeah, okay. it's, it's pandering. It is yeah. it is blatant, open, open, and open, open pandering. And yeah. that right there is a huge problem with what I beat on earlier earlier in the podcast. It's yeah. got to stop. And grow a pair across the board. Everybody needs to grow. It needs to grow a spine. It makes things worse. They actually never even mentioned 2042 in its name or like in the legals. They actually added Battlefield 5. Why? No way legal never noticed that. No fucking way legal said, yeah, that's fine. That document went through so many legal like people going through every detail, making sure everything's correct. And you want to tell me there's a logo, Battlefield 5, and not 2042 is there? That's on purpose. 
Yeah, they 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 were they're taking your mind off of that. Yeah, and, that's and, there and on purpose to look. They're at, trying to they're trying to hit those people or those shareholders who are not necessarily in the know, and that's yeah. that's very shady and sneaky in of itself. When there's a lot of was there's a lot of shit that needs to fundamentally change in this industry, big time, yeah, yeah. big time. I this is why I I adore and I love independent developers so much because they're not bound by a lot of this shit. And that's why they met them. In my honest opinion, that's why they have been rocking it as far as making good games, making good products, keeping their fan base appeased. And you know, I will never send a developer who wants to leave AAA and go independent ever because I understand it. And uh, it's it's kind of happening already because there's so many it, games, it is. That, yeah, made by former developers of Dice, Ubisoft, or Activision, whatever. They're making their own games, and you can see them. You saw some of the games already being presented that uh, that you know, Game Fest, whatever it's called. Yeah, and a lot of fundamental changes are that, that you know developers themselves have been screaming about are happening because of the independent market, and that's a beautiful thing. Um, yeah, but we're not going to get into that because we're 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 at an hour and a half now. Yeah, Ooh. it's almost the clo- longest episode. I, mean, I can't remember. Was it the last the longest episode we had? One one thirty six, I think. Oh, almost. Uh, I think it was like an hour and forty five minutes. Uh, was it okay? Um, so I think we need to wrap this up. Like, yeah. real quick. <laughs> well, I'll do the outro for once because you did the intro. Oh, okay. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for listening to our ramblings. If you listen to us on Spotify, please leave a rating because that's it does help out. If you listen on iTunes, let's get paid. Yep, same thing on iTunes. If you listen on YouTube, watching as a video, please leave a like or dislike. Leave in the comments if you like what we discussed and be involved in the conversation. And yeah, follow us on social medias. We have our Twitters. We have uh, I do have a Facebook, but I don't really use it. Uh, you know, Facebook, who cares? Um, yeah, we have our social media. We have I have bloody TikToks. I have bloody um, Instagram. I don't really use Instagram that much. Oh, I'm, I'm Except like, input in the form of Morse code and signal flare, as well as com- communication. Telegram, mode. of course. <laughs> Telegram. <laughs> Heard of Telegram ever? Dial up that old 256K modem and send me a fax. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, fax. Mm. I love me some fax. Mm. The age is showing. Yeah. Oh, cassettes. Oh. Oh, yes. Mail me a cassette. Oh, you know, I would love that. Unironically, I would love that. <laughs> if someone ever sent me All a cassette, right. I'm like, yes. And also send a player because I don't have a player for a cassette. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. So that's good. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys in the next one. And thank you, Ray, for joining on this podcast again. Of course, always. Good night, everybody. And good luck, dice. Good luck. Good luck.